Thank you for listening to the Redemption Church podcast. For more information about Redemption Church, please visit redemptionokc.com. You can stay up to date on sermons by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. Friends, we are doing something a little bit different today. I know staying at home and not meeting in person, but we felt like given the season, it would just be a blessing for people to stay home, to stay safe, to be able to celebrate and continue the Christmas holiday with friends and family. And so I hope that you've had a wonderful Christmas. We are excited to get to lean in a little bit today. And we're going to reflect as we kind of are coming to the end of a year and beginning a new one. So we pray for us as we get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ. Thank you that you sent him to us. God with us is a reality that we can experience in the person of Jesus and through your Holy Spirit. So Father, as we wrap up this year and begin a new year, would you, would you give us faith and increase our faith that we might walk with you well, that we might run the race that's set before us in the year to come. Father, would you ready us and steady us by the faith that we have in Christ for what lies ahead. Father, we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. We are going to spend a little bit of time reflecting. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12 today. So if you would turn there, um, we are coming to the end of a crazy year, which shall not be named, uh, but we've got another year coming. And the truth is none of us know what lies ahead in the year, in the year to come. Uh, we, we optimistically start getting excited about, man, let's turn the page. Let's turn the chapter on this last year and start a new one, but it could be worse, right? I, I don't think so. I'm kind of naturally an optimistic guy. I tend to find the good in any situation. I think next year has got some good stuff for us and it's good to have expectations, but here's what's more important to us. Whatever comes our way, we need to walk by faith and trust that, that faith will ready us and steady us for whatever is in the, in the day ahead. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And before we do that, I'm actually gonna go back to chapter 11 because Hebrews 12 starts, therefore we have a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, and since we have a great cloud of witnesses, it points us back to this long list of people in Hebrews chapter 11, which we sometimes call the hall of faith or the hall of fame. And it really just talks about a lot of the heroes of our faith. And if you run through this list, it speaks of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It's really talking about the centrality of our faith to all of our lives. And it goes through this laundry list of people. It just says, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, uh, Abraham, by faith, uh, Isaac, by faith, Jacob. And it runs through this whole list. By faith, um, and it's good now, by faith Moses, by faith, David. Um, goes through this long list of people that are just heroes of the faith, telling us about their lives and all the things they did. And you get to this, uh, to me, this fascinating section down in verse 32 of Hebrews 11. And it says this, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept, or accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Therefore, they were killed with a sword. 
They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though committed through faith, did not receive what was promised, since God provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In this, and it's an amazing list when you see what all these individuals went through, what it looked like for them to walk by faith. And the reality for me is when I think about where we are in life, we think sometimes we're the only ones that have ever faced tough times, that we only, we're the only ones that ever faced temptations or trials or tests uh, that, that pushed us and challenged our faith. And yet we read through this list of people and uh, they, they waited and they longed and they yearned to see what we know about the true coming of Jesus and, and what, we, what they anticipated we get to experience by faith. And, and so as we think about this group of people who, and they've lived through uh, the ups and downs of life, we turn to Hebrews 12 and it says, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, since these are the ones who have gone before, since they look down on us and know uh, the, the roads that we travel, we should be encouraged by them to also live a life of faith. So that's where I want us to start today. I want us to dive into just these two verses in Hebrews chapter 12. And we're just gonna take about 20 minutes. And I want us just to reflect as we're closing out this year and beginning a new year, just to reflect a little bit on the race ahead and kind of what lies ahead for us in 2021. And here's what I think we're gonna see is if we wanna run the race well, we need faith in Christ to ready us for what lies ahead. So Hebrews 12, let's, let's look at these two verses. Therefore, since we have... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated now at the right hand of the throne of God. So this is the word of the Lord. It tells us what it looks like for us to live by faith. And in this passage, I think it's, a, it's an amazing call. And the, really the, the primary call of those two verses is run the race. That we're called to run the race that's set before us. And we don't get to pick the course. We don't get to pick the race. We, we just run the course that is in front of us. And as we think about this, it's talking about a contest or a field of competition. It probably is referring to kind of the ancient races of the Olympiad and the, the, the Greek races. And it tells you something of the kind of race that we're going to run when it says that we're to run with endurance. Now, this isn't a sprint. Now, this is a race that's not about short bursts of speed, but it's about the stamina to go for the long haul. Now, many of you probably realize that uh, all three of my boys are distance runners. And in that, in distance running and endurance running really is something that requires uh, year-long focus and, and single-minded focus on a goal in year-round training. One of the things my boys oftentimes say as they talk about running is you build your engine in the off season. And what, what they mean by that is that when no one's watching, when you're not in front of a crowd is when you're actually building the engine and building the strength that you can depend on when the race really comes down to crunch time. And, and so it's the hard work that takes place as you struggle, as you strive, as you engage day after day in building this engine that you're going to depend on as you run that constantly renews your energy and helps you stay focused on this long range goal. Now, here's what that means for us, uh, because chances are most of us are not gonna go try to run 12, 13 miles tomorrow. But as you think about where we are today, part of what this means is spiritually that we have to run an endurance race as well. 
that somehow the struggle and the striving and the engaging and the staying at it and the long-term focus of an endurance or stamina race is what the spiritual life involves as well. And so that looks like, that's what the spiritual commitment that we need to have ought to look like. Friends, we wanna be people who, who resolve not to drop out of the contest, who stay the course, who run to the finish line despite, despite exhaustion, despite the pain, despite the hurt, but we press through the hurt for the joy that waits us at the finish line. And it, the reality is for us, as we think about, as I think about this, is that life is an endurance race and, and that it does sometimes become wearying and sometimes it does become hard. And, uh, you know, just as I was studying and preparing for this, one of the things that, that I, I've been looking at as we've gone through this season in, in 2020 is that a lot of statisticians and, and those who kind of try to measure trends in the culture are saying that actually a third of the people who call themselves Christians who attended church pre-COVID are not gonna come back to church post-COVID. That, that once this thing kind of comes back and dies down, that the time that they have spent away from church is actually gonna lead them away from ever coming back. And so you think of people that are dropping out of the race. I'm always amazed at people that have faithfully stuck it out for years that, that seem to veer off course. I was thinking as I was looking at this and considering this about a friend of mine who's a mentor, really one of my heroes, that just in the last few years has really given up the race. And he didn't drop out overnight. He began to just kind of drift and then began to veer a little bit off course. And as people tried to encourage him and, and call him to get back on course, he just continued to move a little further and a little further and a little further until I think he got to the point that he couldn't remember why he ever started running in the, in the first place. And he's dropped out of the race and not even trying to run at all. Now, the reality for us is that life is a long race and it's an endurance race. And we can't, we can't speed it up, we can't slow it down, but we just simply have to take the course that's in front of us. In some ways, surrender to that and press on. And all you can do is take one step at a time and, and continue to make progress down the course that lays in front of you. So here's what I wanna do. Let's say, I wanna look at this passage and the, I wanna point out two things it says in this passage. One, it says one thing that we need to give up and one thing we need to hold on to. And so to run a race, the first thing you have to see is that there's something you have to get rid of. You notice it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. There's something that we need to discard, something we need to offload, and it's the sin that, that clings so closely. But here it's probably referring in the context of a race to the, the large heavy robes that they wore during that day. And before they would go try to run a race, I mean, it seems goofy to think about running a race in a, long, in, in a heavy road, but, uh, robe, but they would actually shed that robe and strip down so that they were free to run unencumbered. Uh, have you ever seen the start of a marathon? And it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of skinny dudes in, in really short shorts and really tight tank tops and really, uh, really thin shoes trying to take off on this race. And the reality is uh, that, that they are, the typically runners try to find the smallest amount of fabric of the lightest amount of weight that they can possibly put on in order to go run a race because they don't want anything to hold them back. And so the, the goal of this here is not that I want you to shed your clothes, but that I want you to shed your sin. And so as it's making the spiritual application, it's just like you would shed anything that would slow you down or trip you up on a physical race, in a spiritual race, you gotta shed anything that would encumber you or hold you, hold you back. And so as we think about kind of the reality that all of us have excess baggage in our life and we need to unload that stuff. You know, so there's kind of an assumption as it talks about this. It talks about the sin which clings so closely and it's not really optional. It's just saying you do have sin that clings so clings closely to you and sin that trips you up. 
And so all of us need to shed that. We need to get rid of it. We need to unload that so that we can make progress in our race. Those things are, are controlling, restricting, abstracting, obstructing or distracting of us. Uh, and really, I love the analogy because it's so open-ended. Think about how, how broad it is. It's, it kind of leaves it open-ended for each of us. And the reality for me is it's whatever controls me or diverts my attention away from Jesus, I need to get rid of that. And the same is true for you. Uh, the fact is each of us run a different race and each of us is encumbered and has different sins that are wrapped around our heart. But all of us need to strip that off and peel it away and discard it. We need to lay aside everything that, that hinders us. And it may be something like sex or prescription medication or gambling, but it may also be something like, uh, like success or family or expectations or control or body image. But anything that hinders us, that slows us down, we're encouraged to get rid of. Friends, what is the thing that the Holy Spirit convicts you about as you come to the end of this year? What is the thing that trips you up? What is the thing that keeps you from focusing on Jesus? What do you need to get rid of this year? Would you be willing to set it aside if it meant that you, were, you could get to walk closer to Jesus this year? Would you set it aside if, if it meant that you got to, to make disciples for Christ this year? If it meant that you could serve in the name of Christ our city more effectively this year, if you would just shed and get rid of that thing, if, if it meant that you could love your family more effectively this year, if you got rid of that thing, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be worth discarding? So it talks about the race that's set before us. And the reality is that, um, that you can only learn run the race that you've been given. Have you ever noticed how much we like to run someone else's race for him? It's easier so often for us to criticize someone else in the way they're racing than it is for us to kind of do the hard work of reflecting on our own race. But the reality is that, that it's, it's easier oftentimes to spot someone else's sin than dealing with our, dealing with our own sin. You've never known someone that's kind of an analyst of other people's races and they're kind of going, oh, Janie, look at her over there. She's slowing down. She's starting to trip up, getting bogged down. She's starting to go on one of those online ramps again and you get the little sarcasm and the eye roll and, and it's so much easier to kind of play analyst to everyone else's race. And yet what the scripture calls is for us to run our race, uh, for us to discard the sin which sin clings so, close, so closely to our lives and to our hearts. And so we want to strip that and, and get rid of it. Don't you find that we need more encouragers than analysts? And when I think about our redemption groups, when I think about what I want my spiritual friends to be for me, when I think about what I want my family to be for me, it's encouragers. And I hope that we get to see one another as encouragers in the race. You know, in my boys' race, uh, I always joke that, my, that Nan and I get just as much a workout as they do. Uh, because whenever we, we go out on a cross-country course and they're gonna go run 3.14 miles and go run their 5K race, uh, they always tell us where they want us to be positioned on the course. And the reason is because they know where the hard places are in that course, where they're gonna struggle, where they're gonna hit a long uphill push, where they're gonna have a long straightaway where there's not gonna be any people and any other people encouraging them. And they say, would you go to that place? And, would you, and they, they even tell us exactly what to yell in order to encourage them in, in the moment. Wouldn't it be great if we were like that spiritually? If our groups were like that, if, our, if our, as a church we were, we were like that and we knew where the hard places were in life and we said, man, I know this is gonna be a hard stretch for me. Would you encourage me? Would you, would you call out to me and encourage me to stay the course and to fight hard in the race? That's what I think we need in terms of our spiritual community and what we ought to be is this community of encouragement. And it seems silly to think that we would run a physical race and ask for encouragement and ask for help, but not do the same in a spiritual race of our lives. 
Uh, friends, there may be someone this time that you need to invite to come alongside you. You may need to go to your small group. You may need to get in community in this next year. You may need to reach out to some friends and just say, man, I, I'm tripping up in this area and I need someone to help me offload this junk in my life. I need someone to holler encouragement out to me when I get weary and when I get tired so that I can, so that I can keep the faith and stay the course and keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. I think that's the call of this passage for us is to set aside some things. So we need to discard the stuff that's holding us down. But verse two, you notice, gives us something not to discard, but something we need to hold on to. It says, looking to Jesus. See, how are we to run? We're to run with our eyes up. We're to, eyes with our, we're to run with our eyes fixed on Christ. We're to run with our eyes completely focused on him. Now notice there's a little uh, preposition here. It says uh, that we are to, it says looking to Jesus. Notice there's a difference between looking at Jesus and looking to Jesus. So when we look at, at something, you can kind of stay as an outsider observer. You're not really invested in the thing you're looking at. You're just kind of stepping back going, hey, let me check that out. But to look to something is different. And to look to something means that you're leaning into it, that you're counting on it, that you're invested in it, that your life is depending on it. And so you're looking unto this thing that, or this one named Jesus. That's what I think this verse is calling us to. It's active, continual focus, looking at Jesus. Have you ever been so focused on something that you forget what, what's going on all around you? You, get, you just get lost in a movie. You're watching a film and it's so engrossing that everything else, all the worries of your day, all the things you have to do afterwards, all get set aside and you're just completely absorbed in that moment. I think that's what it's talking about. That we would become so fixated and absorbed in Christ and looking at him and looking to him that everything else would fade away and we discard whatever would distract us from him. So as we think about this, as we think about what it means to run, I think it's, uh, it's good for us to be reminded to look to Christ. And the reason we need a reminder is because we so often look to other things. It's easy for us to get distracted. We look, we look to success or we look to uh, performance. We look to our feelings and emotions. We look to our knowledge and our ability. And we look to something else in order to give us life. And what Hebrews is reminding us is that we need to look to Christ. We need to fix our eyes on him so that we're continually redirecting our eyes from those other things and focusing them on Jesus. Friends, as we, as we come to the end of this year and, and head into a new year, uh, what are you focusing your attention on? Uh, what will arrest your affections this year? What do you need to direct your eyes away from so that you can look more closely at Jesus? The call here is to look intently at him with great focus, to peer into his cross, to study what Jesus said, to look at the way he lived, to look at his character and how he wants to form and shape that in us, that in us to grab hold of his resurrection and find the hope of a new day that's there, to long for his return to make all things new. The, the call is to look at Jesus in every scenario. You know when you need to look at Jesus? You look at Jesus when you're happy and sad. You need to look at Jesus when you're upset and when you're glad. And when you look at Jesus when you're mad and when you're excited and any other time that comes your way, you want to focus your attention on Christ. Now, before you would actually do that, because some of you may not, be, may not really have trusted Jesus with your life and you may be asking a question going, well, tell me why I can trust Jesus with the to be the focus of my entire life. Well, verse two really tells us it says, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
What's interesting here is that the writer juxtaposes really two contrary ideas. He takes joy that Christ endured in order to achieve and the cross which he suffered and which gave him shame. And he takes these two things and put it together because it was through the suffering and the shame of the cross that Jesus achieved the joy on the other side. And so he puts these two things together and he sets his hope on the joy to come while at the same time enduring the cross on which he suffered. See, the cross he endured, that was the dark race that Jesus had to run in order to get to the place of joy. And the reality of our lives is we all have crosses to bear and endure just as he did. And so I think the call of the passage here as we look to Jesus is to look ahead to the joy while you endure the difficulty, but also to rest assured that the victory will come. You notice where Jesus is now. It says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Um, you ever try to run when you're sitting down? You can't do it, right? And so Jesus races over. He didn't have to run anymore. He's seated and he's seated in a particular place, the, the seat of honor, the seat of victory. And so his victory is won. His race is over. He's seated enjoying the, the spoils of his victory at the right hand of the Father. And for us, that victory is what gives us hope as well. That's why it calls Jesus the founder and the perfecter. He's the founder, he's the initiator, he's the, the starter. It means that, that in the race, Jesus is the first out of the starting gate. He's the first off the blocks, he's at the front of the pack and he's leading in the front. But he's also at the same time, the perfecter of our faith, meaning that he's the accomplisher, the finisher, the producer, the completer. He's the one who makes sure that we get across the finish line. So in our race, Jesus is the one who leads the way and also follows along to make sure we get to the, line, we get to the finish line ourselves. And that's good news for us. So friends, what, what should you do with this today? I really have one question I want you to consider as, you, as we close out this year and as we begin another one. And here's the question. Are you committed to run the race this year? Are you committed to run the race as Hebrews 12 calls us to run? We need to submit to the race we've been given. We don't get to pick the course. We get to, we get to trust the Lord with a race that's ahead, but we're called to run the race by faith. And so in just a moment, I'm gonna give you some space to consider that question, but I also wanna just tell you, we wanna give you some time to reflect and, and create it. We've created a tool to help you reflect on kind of the year past and, and where you wanna go in the year ahead. And the goal of that is just to help you as a disciple to continue to develop a deep, meaningful life in Christ. And so we've created this tool we're calling the Yearly Discipleship Plan. And that tool's meant to help you reflect on uh, kind of how you've lived and, and where it is you wanna grow in the year ahead. And we'll put that out here in a couple of days in several different formats. But I really hope that this will become an annual part of our, just kind of our discipleship plan as a church, that at the end of the year, we take some time and just say, man, where have I been as a follower, disciple of Jesus this year? And where do I wanna go in the year ahead? Where's God calling me to go? What are the things I need to lay down in order to, to be unencumbered in my race and running and trusting Jesus? And what are the things I need, where are the places where I need to shift my focus away from certain things and really focus them on Jesus? in the year to come. So the goal of that would just be for you to help, to help you process your spiritual life. And at the end of the service, Chase will tell you a little more about that. And you'll be seeing ways of how you can download or grab that document in the next couple of days. But um, as, as we're wrapping up this year, that's kind of a, a longer reflection process. I want you today, if you would, to just take a few minutes and reflect on just this one question. You know, are you committed to run the race this year? Are you committed to run by faith? Are you committed to set some things aside and to, to look to Jesus, uh, the author and perfecter of your faith? 
Uh, friends, here's, here's the reality for us. The race is hard sometimes, but the finish is sweet. And the way is always Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray for my friends and I pray that, uh, that we would be encouragers for one another. Would you help us to be a people who runs the race and as we're running alongside our friends, looks over and encourages them to keep going. And Father, would you, would you just help each of us to, even in this moment, just to hear from you, where are the things that we need to lay aside? The things that are distracting us from the course that you've set before us. Father, where are the things where we, that we need to hold on to our faith in Christ? We need to cling to them. Father, help us to, help us to trust him in the year ahead. Father, I pray that you, would, that you would grow us this year as disciples, that you grow us as a church of encouragers. Father, that you would help us to run well the race ahead so that we might, we might bring glory to Christ in 2021. Father, we pray in his name. Amen.